This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This week on Behind the Headlines, we talk to Amy Sherman and John Gonzalez from the Michigan's Best Team. This whole thing has shifted. Where it's at, we don't know, but that's where we have to tell, continue to tell stories and to chronicle this first draft of history, right? That's what journalism is all about. And that's what we need to chronicle more than ever. We need to have boots on the ground to chronicle how this life has changed and will continue to change down the road. But I'm just telling you as a perspective as someone that's been in the business for more than 30 years, that, that we're now writing about things that we're going to look back in two, three years from now and go like, what were we doing? What were we thinking? All right, I'm hungry, so let's jump into this. On this episode, we talked to Amy Sherman and John Gonzalez about the impact of coronavirus on the restaurants and bars. And my co-host is always Vice President of Content, John Heiner. John, how are you, my friend? I am sweltering, Eric. Uh, <laughs> yes. Enjoying summer, as I should be. Um and again, every time you ask me that, I have to strain it through the filter of uh, coronavirus and quarantine and all this stuff because it's, it's pretty surreal. Um, and obviously, this is the time of year in Michigan that just traditionally you've planned your vacations, you've got your list of places you're going to go, um, whether it's a destination like you know, Harbor Springs or it's just these great lakes you want to get out onto or, or uh, waterfront bars and beaches and things like that. And so uh, we lifted the restrictions to a degree in Michigan. I think people got back, you know, got back out and started to do things. And then, you know, right away in Michigan and, in, and as in other states as well, we saw some pretty notable uptick in cases. So we had Harper's Restaurant in Lansing that then spread to the Detroit area and, you know, bars now, uh, that cannot serve alcohol indoors now. And I think there's a general apprehension out there, both among people who want to get out and do things, but also communities and business owners about what that means for them. And so I thought today, uh, a couple of people who work for us who are in the thick of that, and this is basically their lives, and, and they've created a great name for themselves doing this, John Gonzalez and, and Amy Sherman from our Michigan's Best team. And Everybody knows that Michigan's best is about getting out. It's about getting out to the great places, the best food um, destinations. And how, how Gonzo and Amy have really made this special is down to the people, the people of Michigan. And, and they've expressed this before. So they're our guests today. And I, I thought there'd be no better people to talk about what it's like right now in Michigan, not just from our perspective as the people who want to get out and eager to do things, but all of those business owners and all those small communities that really count on this, this is like Christmas for Macy's uh, if you're a small business owner in Michigan. And so uh, welcome, John and Amy, to Behind the Headlines. Thank you for having yeah. us. 
Yeah, it's great to have you here. So just in general, I know you have a lot of contacts with the business community, with the CVBs, the tourism officials. And what's the general sense? Of, we don't know where the finish line is on this. So what is the general sense that you're hearing from people um, about how they're coping and what they're worried about? I think um, it's no surprise that everyone is concerned. Um, the climate changes sometimes day to day, uh, a lot of uncertainty. Um, restaurant owners are, are struggling with a lot of issues, which we'll cover today. But from the CVB front, the travel front, you know, we, we did a, we partnered with uh, Pure Michigan earlier this year to do a come together campaign uh, that was really aimed at, at travel. And since Northern Michigan and the Upper Peninsula were the first to open, and a lot of people are going there. <laughs> if you were on the road Fourth of July weekend, you know people were heading up north. Um, they're they're hopeful. There's there's a sense of they're hopeful that, that people will continue to get in their cars and travel. All the research shows that people are are doing those one tank getaways, or they're going to maybe a favorite cottage or a destination. And everyone is hopeful right now that um, businesses will, re will return to somewhat normal. Uh, and get them through uh, a tough year. What's the calculus for, say, a restaurant owner? Um, I grew up, my dad owned uh, bars and restaurants, and I know that it's a, uh, it's a pretty thin profit margin. You need cash flow. You need to move tables through. You need people. So what's the calculus now with social distancing and, and hiring your staff? And I know it's complicated, but they've got these PPP loans. And But what what's the tough decisions that people are needing to make for their businesses? It's an unprecedented decision they have to make. I mean, to try to run a restaurant at when you have the ability to run at 100% capacity, your profit margin is incredibly small. When you then drop down to 50% or 25% capacity, um, it's nearly impossible. Um, so for some restaurants, the decision um, has been to not reopen. It doesn't make financial sense if this time. Uh, for some, it has been to um, only continue with the takeout because they can uh, maintain the right you know, level of employees versus income and, and do it that way. And what I've seen for the people who have reopened, um, they are trying their best. They are doing everything they can to eke every bit of money out of um, what is available to them. That's not sustainable that is not gonna sustain their business. It's a stopgap measure right now um, for them to try to get their employees back to work and to try to generate a little bit of income or even to get rid of some um, stock, to get rid of bottles of wine that have been sitting there and you know glasses of liquor and all that kind of stuff that's been sitting there waiting um, to just generate some, some money right now. But none of this is sustainable for the restaurant industry. And unless something else happens, and I don't see us reopening at 100% anytime soon, there is going to have to be some kind of bailout or we are going to see upwards of 80% of restaurants failing. Wow. 80%. It's, well, it's heart stopping when you hear those numbers. It's, and it's especially for us at Michigan's best, because like you said, these are our, the people that we work with. Yes, but they are our friends. Um, and they also are a huge part of our community. I mean, when you think of, you know, Ann Arbor or Traverse City or East Town here in Grand Rapids, um, the things that make those places awesome and amazing and vibrant are the restaurants and the bars. And if they are gone, what does that mean for our communities? It is, it's a huge loss. It isn't just a loss of a place to go eat. It is a, a huge, you know, stalwart of our communities and major employers uh, in the state of Michigan. Other thing, 
that I'm hearing from across the state um, are, are the restaurant owners' frustrations of people not following the mandate. And it is disappointing. It is, it makes me very angry. It makes them very angry that people can't understand that they are doing everything on their side to make this work for their clients. They have taken every safety precaution that they can. And, and I know that they take it very seriously. And when the patrons don't also take it seriously and put their workers at risk, it makes them very angry. And it makes a lot of them not want to do it anymore in that sense. I have to say, Amy, I've been up north several times since this late spring when they lifted their travel restrictions or they opened some of the counties. And the only people I see wearing masks in Northern Michigan are workers in the restaurants and bars. And uh, it's a little discouraging. I mean, because down here, downstate, uh, I've actually seen businesses that say you can't come in without the mask until you're seated sort of thing. But, you know, up north, it's I think it's a little bit more like the Seattle Autonomous Zone out the, up there. Um, you know, people, personal independence and things like that. But that was something I wanted to touch on. Uh, maybe, uh, John, and you can talk about this. But the business owners you talk about are being put in a really tough position. And we've kind of seen the, the governor tried to shut down one barber in Owasso, and that, that turned into a real hornet's nest. And I'm not sure that he's still not cutting hair, but um, it, it really ends up putting the pressure on the people who put the signs out in front of their businesses to try to enforce them. And how, how do they feel about being put in that position? Well, I'll tell you what, um, I think if you want to read a post that um, will really tug at you, that'll, that'll, it'll, it'll smack you in the face with reality. It's a post that our good friend, Chris Andrus from the Mitten Brewing Company put up. But this post went at the heart of the mask issue, right? He says, I take this personally. If you walk in and you give me a hard time or employees a hard time about not putting on a mask, you're disrespecting us and them. When we're here to serve you and to make your experience a pleasant one, you are now have, have, have changed the whole narrative completely. You're now attacking me. And I think this is where Amy was talking about earlier is that it becomes very personal. This is their, these are their babies. I don't think we realize that some of us that they go to restaurants and to bars and we just kind of hang out and have a good time. We don't know the work and the level of the passion and the energy and the, the sacrifices that go to be there. You think about this, you know, you, John, you come from a, a restaurant background or a bar background. It's their livelihood. They're there every single day, seven days a week, sun up, sun down, right? A lot of them are family owned mom and pops, or just, you know, like I said, just family owned. So they're, they're, this is their, their world to them. And I think we as a society, we say, well, it's my constitutional right to do whatever I want to do. I don't have to wear a mask if I don't want to, because it's my right as a citizen. And I think, well, yeah, you're right that you are allowed to do whatever you want to do, but take yourself out of the mix for a second and, and think about those people that, that are there to serve you. Uh, I, I think that's where we, that lack, lack of respect, that lack of human dignity is what mm -hmm. hurts a lot of the people in the restaurant industry. And like Amy said, um, they question like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to open up and get beat up? Or do I want to just shut down and do something else? Well, I could do a whole separate podcast on the American character and the feeling of how people want the right to be independent and the right to you know, be self, you know, directed and do what they want to do when they want to do it. But 
I think a lot of advanced cultures uh, realize that the, the right to swing your arm ends at somebody else's nose, you know, and um, it's, it's just courtesy for the health of others. And there, we just had a video this week of uh, younger people, it seemed largely partying out in Cass County on a lake in Cass County. And it just looked like girls gone wild video or something. And they were packed shoulder to shoulder in the water and playing music. And you, you say, man, that looks like 1999. You know, it doesn't look like anyone's even aware or cares that, that there's a pandemic. And then, you know, tomorrow we're supposed to visit grandma at a nursing home, you know, and that's, that's what happened at Harper's uh, a few weeks ago in Lansing. And I think it's over 130 cases have been traced back to one night at a bar that reopened. I think it was the first night the bar reopened. And then in the context of this conversation, think about those employees at that, at that bar um, and the situation that they were put in. And so I, I, my heart does go out to these business owners, not just economically, but being put in a position where some people who live in their community feel like their rights uh, of freedoms that they, they perceive to have in America, uh, Trump, somebody else trying to do the right thing and, and make a living. So uh, that that's hard to watch. And I'm just gonna be honest with you too. It's kind of hard to watch. I, I was on main street in Ann Arbor last weekend eating and no, they've closed the street during prime dining and they're putting, so they can space the tables out the street. It was awesome to be out there. It was a, it was a fantastic summer night. Um, but at the same time, when you walk down Bridge Street in Grand Rapids or you walk down Main Street in Ann Arbor, you see the businesses that have not reopened. And then you just think the fabric of what these business districts were and that each one of those closed businesses is a very difficult choice that some owners had to make about their, their livelihood, their employees. And I just can't I can't fathom uh, what the what this is like. It, I, I wrote a column once about you know, when disaster strikes and I said, you know, my, my dad had a restaurant that burned down and that was terrible. It was a terrible couple of years after that, but guess what? You, you rebuild and you start again and coronavirus, we knew there was an end, but with the coronavirus right now, it doesn't, it, we're not sure where it's going to go. And so these people are making a tough decision every single day without knowing. Uh, let me steer it a different way real quick here, but uh, just in a, the 30,000 foot view what the tourism industry itself in Michigan, um, how they're trying to cope, how they're trying to lead their industry through this. And, you know, you can do some marketing, um, I suppose, and, and change your approach to try to market Michigan or tourist destinations within the context of coronavirus. But what's the general mood or feeling right now in the tourism industry for how they're going to tackle this? Well, I think I said a little earlier that they're hopeful, but what they're putting into place is to get getting the word out that they're open. Um, that I think with a lot of the places I've been working with or talking to lately is that they're outdoor destinations, you know, like a, a Munising or a Ludington or a Gaylord, you know, or even Mackinac Island where, you know, you can social distance, you can be out there if you're hiking, you know, and you, even when I'm on my daily walks and I see people walking my way, we all kind of go around and give ourselves the distance. Right. Uh, and I think you can do that. You can experience. So the tourism industry is taking that to heart and they're, they're spreading that message out there that, Hey, come and come and visit us. Come and when you go to the restaurants, you'll be stay, you'll you'll be safe. We're following the guidelines here. Um, if you come to a campground, we're going to be safe. We're going to make sure that everyone's uh, socially distanced, um, physically, um, and we're going to also have attractions that, that are keeping that in mind or not even open. But for the most part, you're going to come here and have a good time. I think it's it's a double-edged sword because you know 
I think the tourism industry in Michigan has really in the last, I'd say the last eight to 10 years focused on getting people from out of state to come to Michigan, right? And now they're kind of having to adjust and say, wait a minute, now they have to market and reach an in-state audience. And they have to say, hey, if you live in Battle Creek or you live in Kalamazoo, you know, and you typically maybe go to the beach, you know, to go to St. Joe or, or South Haven to, to vacation. Maybe you want to consider, you know, Alpena, you know, mm-hmm. East Michigan. Maybe you want to discover some new places you haven't been to in a long time or come up with new traditions. And I, I think that is the struggle for the tourism industry. Like, how do they all of a sudden change their whole focus? They're doing a good job of it, I think. Overall, uh, Dave Lorenz from Travel Michigan, uh, I tell you what, he's out there still traveling. He's out there visiting places and keeping everyone motivated and, and, and positive. And I think that's what we need is to stay positive and, and, and to make some of those changes in, in the markets we're reaching. John, you and I both worked in Bay City uh, in our past. And Bay City, actually, the Bay City Times goes all the way up past Oscoda. I mean, it, I think the social distancing was invented by places like Presqu'io, uh, you know, Oscoda. It, it, it's hard not to social distance if you want to get out and be outdoors. Uh, there's a lot of elbow room up in, in that, that side of the state. A favorite of mine, and I'm glad we're kind of staying kind of the Northeast for a second, but, you know, Amy and I love uh, our friends at Water Tower uh, Sports Pub in uh, Lexington, right? And uh, they were uh, in the top 10 for Michigan's best pizza and in the top 10 for Michigan's best fries. And you're thinking Lexington, right? Uh, but uh, the owner there, Greg Redman and his wife, Stephanie, they actually pulled out pool tables. It's a restaurant bar. It's, it's a great place for craft beer, but they have great pizza and great food as well. Uh, but they pulled out pool tables. And, and here's kind of like, and I don't want to make this too long here, but here's kind of the readjustment. Early on in March, when, when this is all coming down, they were on the front lines of feeding kids, right? They were providing free lunches from from 11 to 1, three days a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 80% of the kids in that area are, are on free or reduced lunches, right? So they decided to give back to the community and offer these free meals for, for that extended period of time. And then now the guidelines come where they can reopen. So they're following the guidelines. They pull out pool tables. They, they keep social distancing in mind um, and as well as outside, but they're struggling. Uh, with everything, but they're doing a great job. I mean, I think, I think if, I mean, it's hard to give one or two examples, right? Sure. Amy, because everyone, everyone that we know and that is in part of the Michigan's best family, they, they take this stuff very seriously. They do. I, I want to just add on to the water tower. Cause I was talking to Greg a couple of weeks ago and like you said, they're doing everything right. They're trying to, to be you know positive and they given back to the community so much. And a few weeks ago, he got an altercation with some guy at the bar who came in and who did know Stephanie was his wife, was giving her a hard time about wearing the mask, was harassing her. And he finally had to come out and be like, you got to leave. That's my one. You don't talk to my wife like that. You got to get out of here. So as much as he's doing everything, he still has to deal with this on a daily basis. And he's, he gets very frustrated with all of that, of, of course, as we all do. But um, some of the things I've liked seeing are um, the places that are um, using the new mandate to um, go out into the street, 
and to uh, they get to use the parklets um, to, to serve from out there. Um, I know I talked to our friend Jay Clancy at Cognition Brewing in Ishpeming in the UP, and they shut down the entire street in front of them. And so he's moved his whole brewery outside. Um, he's got it all set up with tables and things like that. Um, you have to wear a mask, and he's very adamant about that. But he's really trying his best. And same thing like at Mitten Brewing, they're going to put their whole parking lot in the back and turn it into um, their new kind of lounge and everything. So I love the people that are trying all of that kind of stuff. And the other thing that I really um, have been following really closely is a group of restaurateurs um, that have put together the Michigan Restaurant Promise, the My Restaurant Promise. Um, and many of our restaurants are uh, signing up for this. And it's essentially just an agreement that these restaurants will follow the mandate, that they will um, follow a whole list of rules of of sanitizing, requiring the masks and that kind of stuff. And they've put it all together to show that there's a very large group of restaurateurs in the state that believe in this, that are gonna enforce it. And that if that's important to you as a citizen and as a customer, you can support them. Um, they did it as a grassroots movement. They approached the state of Michigan to see if they wanted to kind of be a part of it. They support it, the state of Michigan, but they're not a part of it. So it's truly a grassroots effort from restaurateurs across the state. They now have hundreds and hundreds of restaurants that are a part of it. Um, and really, it's just a way to let you know who's following it so you can support them. And then, if you know what, you don't want to wear a mask, go somewhere else. You know, I one day I was talking to my brother and he's like, you know, what's this Michigan's best thing? What a joke. It's like, that's the, I, who everyone would love that job. He's like, these guys just get to travel around and, and eat and drink and you pay them to do that. And I was like, dude, you couldn't handle it. <laughs> you can't handle it. Handle it. <laughs> you can't handle it. These guys are total pros. You shouldn't try this at home. But the other thing that about you that, that, I want people to know is the level of passion and dedication it takes to go out and do the job the way you do it, the way that people see our content on Michigan Fest and the, the stuff we present both in writing and in videos to be there uh, and put yourself out there in person. I mean, you make personal connections and you make relationships and that really shows in your work. And so I'd just like to ask you both, personally for you, because you were in the middle of Michigan's Best Burger Search back in March. We were we had a whole year plan for Michigan's Best Activities. It's not like you haven't been working your tails off because you have. You've been doing things in a lot of innovative ways. But how has this been for you personally um, to go through this coronavirus period? Oh, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm devastated. I, I always say I'm like wilting on the vine over here. Um, you know, both John and I are very social people. We, we thrive on being out there, meeting people, shaking hands, giving hugs, hearing these stories. And so to be like everybody else to be stuck in our, you know, living room, bedroom, whatever to, to, and not have that personal connection. It's, it's been incredibly hard. And then to add on top that our industry, well, our industry, my industry, the restaurant industry, um, is being, you know, decimated. Um, it's like a blow after blow after blow. And then the unknown, which I think all of us can relate to, that we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know what's around the corner. John and I don't know when we'll get to go back out on the road. We don't know what the rest of the year looks like. Um, it's It's been incredibly hard. However, we have been, as you said, continuing to work, and we've been um, really focusing on telling positive stories about the restaurant industry of people who are doing great. And that has been 
awesomely uplifting. And I know John can share some of the stories that, that he's written about the, those things. And I think both of us find comfort and solace in those. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it has been um, a change of, of lifestyle for, for both of us. I don't get to see Amy every day. So that's a big change for me. <laughs> I thought that was a blessing. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that too loudly, but okay. Um, but it's but it's also when you have time to reflect, you also realize that we had a pretty good thing going. Um, I think the the trick to any successful job or career is that you make it look easy, right? And I'm glad that you recognize that because I think on the surface it looks like a the best job in the world. You get to go hang out, have a few drinks, eat some food write about it, post, post on social media, and let's do it again tomorrow. And I, like your brother, John, would probably say like, wait, why are you paying these guys, right? <laughs> um, but I, I think that people don't realize, as I, I come from the journalism background, Amy comes from the restaurant world, where um, we, are, we are doing journalism at its core, boots on the ground. We're actually in communities. We know where Ishpeming's at. We know where Bay City's at. We, we, we've been to these towns. We know people, we know restaurant owners, uh, people think that we're local. We'll get, often we'll get, you know, hey, so where do you guys live in Saginaw, you know? And uh, we're like, oh, we're actually based in, uh, well, we're actually based in Grand Rapids. Oh, we love Grand Rapids. That's another story for another time. But but my point is, is that we're doing the groundwork. You know, we are actually talking to people with notebooks and, and cameras in hand, and we're doing the research and we're making those connections and I think that's what journalism is, is all about. Now we have this, this opportunity to tell stories. And that's what Amy and I do. And I, I feel we, we do it well. I mean, we, we, because, because we care about the people that we're writing about. And we hope that that shows up in our work. So when you ask, how are we doing? When, <laughs> when you don't get to do what you love to do, what you've been doing, in my case, we started Michigan's Best in 2012. You know, and in my case, going back to journalism, when I've been doing since I was in eighth grade is writing, right? Mm -hmm. So when you can't do that in the way that you have done it, it is tough. Now, I will say this, uh, the, the elephant in the room, and I think a lot of the conversation gets turned around to um, how people are reacting and mask and all these things, you know, when the reality is that the world has changed and is it, we will not go back to what it used to be. Right. We don't know, like Amy said, we don't know what's around the corner, but our daily lives have changed, not only as journalists, but as consumers, as restaurant owners, as bar owners, brewery owners, their lives have changed, right? Every, this whole thing has shifted. Where it's at, we don't know, but that's where we have to tell, continue to tell stories and to chronicle this first draft of history, right? That's what journalism is all about. And that's what we need to chronicle more than ever. We need to have boots on the ground to chronicle how this life has changed and will continue to change down the road. So I know that's a lot of heavy stuff from me as someone that likes to smile and like to have a good time. But I'm just telling you as a perspective as someone that's been in the business for more than 30 years that, that we're now writing about things that we're going to look back in two, three years from now and go like, what were we doing? What were we thinking? Why didn't we put on masks earlier? Why did we shut this down? You're right. Why did right. we do this? Why didn't we do that? You're already starting to see that. You're already starting to see like, well, Michigan did a pretty good job. Could we have done better? Yes. You know, I, I watch all the national coverage as well. You're going to see this happen more and more as we get further and further down the road. 
Yeah, you make some really good points there, John. Um, I, I have the same thought now. When I see uh, old videos or sporting events and people packed in, I'm like, oh, man, that looks like a, a seething cesspool of, of infection waiting to happen. <laughs> and it was back then. You know, so we'd get the flu and things. But I think you're absolutely right that things have changed. It's weird because you'll have this beautiful summer day. You'll be out for a walk. It looks like the world's normal. And then, like I said, you walk down Main Street and you're like, half the businesses aren't open or people are all spaced out and you're like, it's going to have to become part of our new life. Um, in that old song lyric, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, one of my favorite restaurants, I live in Celine and there's, we're lucky we have like five restaurants downtown. It's, it's a pretty small town, but the one that I kind of hung out at like Norm on Cheers was one that didn't reopen when they said they could reopen and they finally did. And to go back in and see the staff. And it's not like I took it for granted. I liked them all, but I'd missed them. And, and then there's a little hint of melancholy because you know what it's an uphill battle as you guys have been saying for these business owners and you're really pulling for them. And uh, I hope that the people out there do all they can to support those businesses in their community. I want to say that you guys will tip my hat, John, you helped uh, coordinate and host the come together that we did for the hospitality industry. And you wanted to explain a little bit what that might be so people can find it who are listening and go back. Cause I think those are still, those, those shows are still available. Uh, come together uh, was an effort we put together five nights of, uh, of entertainment, about a one hour, one hour and a half show every day changed, but we had Michigan celebrities, um, sports people, musicians, everyone from, you know, Tim Allen was on one of the shows. Uh, we had, uh, 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 Carter uh, Osterhaus from Bonobo Winery in, in Traverse City. So every night was different. They are available online. Just search for Come Together. You can do the Googles and just say Come Together M Live or Pure Michigan, and it'll it'll uh, be there. But five nights live video. So we did a live show every single day, and uh, we tried to raise money for uh, the hospitality workers around the state of Michigan. And it was a lot of fun and a good effort. And hopefully we get to do more of those. All right, let's end it on a upbeat note. Um, because we are planning to get back to business, right? So we might not have an exact date, but as I said earlier, we were in the middle of the burger search and burger was one of the OGs. It was one of the original searches back in, you talk about John 2012, when you, you helped us start this great brand, Michigan's Best. But we were in the middle of a, the, the, the second wave burger search and we had to postpone that. And where were you at the time and I, and I believe that we're going to resume it. We plan to resume it later this month. So why don't you guys talk about that just a little bit? Take us home on a, on a high note. Well, we were in Frankenmuth uh, when we got the call on an early Friday morning that the mothership was calling us home. <laughs> and uh, we were supposed to head to Bay City. Uh, we were supposed to go to Auburn to O's Pub and Grill and then to Bay City to D'Angelo's. We had to cancel both of those early that morning. We were supposed to schedule to go up north and then to the UP after that. So we headed back to Grand Rapids where we both are based. And um, we were sad. We were so sad, but we were even sadder for like our friends at D'Angelo's. They had done all, all they're one of our biggest um, Michigan's best fans. And they had done all this stuff they always do when we come see them. And I and they were so disappointed. And it kind of, I think for both of us, it was the precursor of what was to come. Like the disappointment, the sadness, but um, but we are excited to say that we are hoping to get back on the road and to head um, back over to Bay City and to the UP and and to finish our search out and to come up with our top 10, which I'm gonna tell you right now, behind the scenes, insider information, it is very difficult for this search. We had so many great burgers. I think 
you know, we try to like narrow it down throughout the search and we narrowed it down to 20 top 10 burgers. <laughs> 20 top 10 burgers. Okay. Well, John, anything you want to say about it? No, I, I think I remember, you know, just kind of reflecting back on that, on that time when we got uh, yanked off the road, <laughs> uh, gotten the hook, right? Uh, Amy and I had spent a great day the day before on Thursday, March 12th in, in Kindy, Michigan, way up in the oh, yeah, that was and awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. And I remember we built in a day where we could have, because our home base was Frankenmuth for a couple of days while we were doing those visits through, you know, uh, playing Saginaw Bay City and, and the thumb. And I remember thinking when we left there going, you know what, I'm not feeling good. Uh, it was a great visit, but I'm not feeling good about where we are with this coronavirus thing, right? And I almost said, to, I almost said to Amy, "Hey, we should just call Bay City and, and Auburn right now and get those visits in, you know, just to get them in, and rather than going back to the hotel and writing, which 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 we ended up doing, and uh, thinking like, because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And sure enough, you know, we we got called in the morning and, and back to Grand Rapids. But um, but yeah, I'm excited though. I'm excited to." to get back out there and, and tell more stories and see how people are doing and, and uh, trying to Amy and I wrestling over this top 20 into a top 10. And we won't be together. So I, I won't really be able to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, something tells me you'll be able to find a way to do that. Um, just for the avoidance of doubt. Uh, I think I was the father on the mothership who pulled the yank. Uh, and I wasn't happy about it either. Cause like March 12th was the day the world stood still. Um, that date is just burned in my head because I was in Lansing on my way to Grand Rapids and we were going to have big town hall meetings and some corporate executives were flying in and all this coronavirus stuff was just cascading like an avalanche down the mountain. And I remember the conversations with uh, uh, one of my colleagues in New York. I was like, are they really coming? Because the, they were planning town halls that afternoon and the next day. And that was a Thursday, Friday. And by Friday afternoon, by the time they didn't come, they got like off the plane. They decided not to come. And by Friday afternoon, my you know, schools were called off. Um, everything that was just right on that cusp. And it's funny, you knew exactly where you were and where you wanted to go. I also I also know that on the way home, <laughs> Amy said, Amy said, uh, I don't think we have much at my house. Can you stop at Meyer? <laughs> I got toilet paper. <laughs> That's a reminder. I better go get my toilet paper. For the <laughs> but, uh, hey guys, great conversation today. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, if my heart does go out to these people and, and, and thanks for all you do to stay connected with them and our readers connected to these small business owners in these communities and stay tuned. Michigan's best is not only coming back, it's never gone away. Uh, you guys have really innovated a lot and done great work to our listeners. I'll say this. Buy local and wear a mask. Eric? Hungry yet? There we go. Another episode of Behind the Headlines. As always, what you can do for John and I is put this podcast in a playlist on Spotify. Or if you're listening on iTunes, make sure you like it and leave a review. And then if you want to do something else, go one step further. You can share it with your friends and get them to check out the podcast. All right, guys, have an amazing week. We will talk to you next week. He is John Heiner. I am Eric Halkren, and this is Behind the Headlines.